0: Gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and ate nothing at all, and when those days were over, he was famished. Then tempted. came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus answered, The one is not lived by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil led Jesus up to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple. and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, because it is written, God will command God's angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you won't even dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil took Jesus up to the highest mountain, and in an instant showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, all of this will be yours. You just fall down. Where should me? Jesus said, Away with him, you, see? It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. And the devil left, him, and the angels came and waited on him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Jesus went going into the wilderness, and I think we can all identify with the, the wilderness, or at least temptation. At some point, we have to decide. What are we gonna say? What are we gonna do? How do I know if this impulse, this urging, this voice, this opportunity, is from God, or not God? Call it the devil, call it your false self, call it whatever you like. How do you know? There was once a young learner who went to his teacher, his master, and said, Master, it is like there are two wolves fighting inside. Of you. One of them is full of light and joy and love and goodness, and the other is full of darkness and evil. How do I know which one of these wolves will win the fight? The teacher said to him, Whichever one we feed, one does not live by but By every word that comes from the mouth of God. Stop and think about this for just a minute. A word from God, a word from God is as nourishing as a meal as, as literal food. I get the image I don't know about you of like a like a, a mama bird. Have you seen this? The, the bird, baby birds or their mouths are like this wide and they're waiting and the mama bird comes and feeds them. That's what God's word is. feeding us. I mean all of the devil's temptations are about fear and shame and rage, and all of God's words for grace, and freedom, and life, and love. So, because God's word is so important to our lives, as nourishing as food and as a meal, let's spend a little bit of time just kind of unpacking that, that how we can know God's word for what it is. Because if it was easy, then we might not need to be here. It's hard, so we come together, share what wisdom we want. I mean, the first thing we notice is that the Word of God is not necessarily Scripture. In response to all the devil's temptations, Jesus responded with words from the Bible. The devil also used scripture as a temptation. And so, so someone quotes scripture, big deal. Even the devil can do that. That invites from us a deeper listening or a a deeper looking, looking again to test the reality of what is being said. Just because it's scripture doesn't mean it's right for this circumstance. Maybe there's some uh, communications majors among us, or people who are in communications. What they say is that when, in terms of communication, only 20% is verbal. The actual words that are coming out of my mouth right now, there's only 20% of the message. The other 80% is not verbal. It's not just what I say, but how I say it. how my hands are moving right now. It's the energy in my body. What if that was the case with God too? What if the Word of God, the message that God has for us isn't just about words? It's just it's also about so many other nonverbal things. Can would that be? What could that be? One other thing is that, notice, we talked to, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, about metaphors. Uh, this this verse, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God is a, a metaphor. On Wednesday, I used the metaphor, God is my rock. And when I say that, you know, I don't mean I literally have a rock in my yard, and that's God. So it's saying something and negating it at the same. Which really is to say that words are not the reality itself. I can say lots of things. The devil had lots to say, didn't make it real. But there is a a reality. There is a a unified reality, one reality that is true and above all is loving. You could call that reality or God. So one way that God speaks to us is through reality itself, through our lives. Somebody a lot wiser than me said God comes to us disguised as our life. Let's stop, stop and talk about, for a moment, the things that we say about ourselves. That was the children's message was about. Well. And you remember on Wednesday, maybe I quoted Parker Paul. Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, first I must listen to my life. Telling me who I am. Who are you? Notice how that was the vulnerable spot that the devil was pushing. If you are the son of God, if you are, well then, I maybe told this story before about how I went to school to be an engineer. We've got some engineers I spent a long time trying to be an engineer. Meanwhile, a lot of people were telling me, are you sure? My very first college entrance interview, you know, part of the process for them to decide whether they're going to let me in or not. She said, you know, I see that you're interested in all this math and computers, but I also get the sense that you're much more interested in people. And I said, Who are you? I'm going to be an engineer. Well, then there were my grades, and they weren't great in math, but I did fine. And I kept plugging away, even though every elective that I took in college was about history or religion or something else. And everybody said, "Oh, this is weird, my classmates and things." And I said, "Oh, well, yeah, I'm just I'm just a well-rounded engineer, <laughs> 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 but, I, but i didn't a good engineer. That's who I am." Well, then I got to a class that was finally it. I had done all this like requirement stuff, and it was finally like, "This is who I am, and I'm doing it," and I couldn't do it. Like, the math was just, like, I, I couldn't get it. I spent so much time on this class. I had two exams on the same night. I had a chemistry exam. I had a, a history exam. I was taking a course on the history of World War I. And I spent so much time on this other class, failing it miserably. I thought, I'm going to fail in one of these exams. Chemistry or history, I don't have to decide now which one is? Said Boy, this chemistry stuff is boring. I'm going to drop that class. I'm going to stick with the history class. And the people around me were like, are you listening to your life, telling you who you are? And here I am, <laughs> not an engineer. <laughs> I mean, it's not just about your career. path. It could be anything that you say about who you are. <coughs> you're wrong? The invitation is simply to listen to your life. Listen to God's voice, which, uh, you know, you can tell, there's the beating my head against the wall, and then there's the freedom of who I really am. The weird thing is, is just how deep the influences are. Long after I changed my major and graduated and whatever, i heard my dad tell a story about his own life, about how when he came home from the army, he went to college. And he went to college to, guess what? Be an engineer. Even though what he really wanted to do was right. And he struggled with engineering, and he struggled, and he struggled, and finally <coughs> he dropped out. He went back home. He carried this, like, label of failure. And I remember this was at my daughter's first birthday party. I was listening to my dad tell this story to somebody else. And the other person said, Well, if you were interested in writing, why don't you just take English classes? Why don't you just change your major? And my dad said, I don't know. the way that the word of God comes to us, this nourishing, good, loving word comes to us is often first to shatter our illusions. And the hardest illusions are the ones we hold about our very selves. But the good news in that is that it's not just exposing a lie, it's also revealing truth. And the deepest life for all of us is a personality. I hate to break it to you. For all of us, we have a much deeper essence. Our true self, who we were created to be. But we have found a way to be in the world, to be in our families, to succeed. That's personality. And the word of God comes and slowly breaks, washes away, relaxes that personality until we finally can come to deeply know who we really are and our deepest essence. And so knowing what to do or what to say in any given instance, this is a byproduct of a lifelong journey. Spiritual, journey, non spiritual. Journey. And here's just a, a little bit of advice it's about space, creating space. It's not about hard work. You can't work hard to figure out who you are, you can simply make some space. To listen, to breathe, to listen again, and to look again, and slow down, be, just, be still, and know that I am God. And if you're going 100 miles down the highway, you're not going to be able to do it. even if you're going 25 to the neighborhood, the things you're going to miss. And I find it really doesn't even matter what I do in the stillness. I can get really caught up in how am I supposed to do these things. It's just the fact of surrender. It's just the stopping. It's just the not feeling my calendar packed full of everything. the next piece of advice is about balance. We all have three energies. We have energies for thinking, energies for feeling, energies for doing. And personality, the kind of lie, is how we choose one of those things and make it the way we interact with the world. And then we pick one of those three, we hide it. We don't let anyone see it. Sometimes we bury it deeper, so neat that even we ourselves don't know about an access. I mean I'm just telling you me. I put this brain of mine thinking way out there. And I bury my tender. The story of my life has been about finding balance. And then something about that college entrance interviewer saw that part. And it wasn't just about the head. It just wasn't just about the thinking. And so part of the journey for me is about bringing up feelings. For you, it might be stopping and thinking more clearly. But whatever the configuration of thinking, feeling, doing for you, it will force you to come into contact. But the reason why one thing is out there like a sheep is because there's some deeper fear, or shame, or rage. We talked a few weeks ago about how the obstacle is the way. Here it is—an obstacle of fear, or shame, or rage. It's the way. These temptations we saw Jesus endure were the way. It was the Holy Spirit that sent him there to do it, to deal with it, to be there. when you can be in touch with your deepest self and that essence, which is the part of you that springs directly out of the heart of God, you will have the same kind of power that we saw Jesus have. The power to ignore the temptations. The power to stay on the true path. The power that is, yeah, full of suffering. You know, a lot like it sometimes. It's the power of the resurrection. The power to rebound. The power to know who you are in God. Thanks be to God.